Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. It was the night before Christmas, and all through ESSR, not a podcaster did moan, not even David Campbell. <laughs> the children all lay and snug in their beds, with visions of Wrestle Kingdom dancing above their heads. As I lay down in my kerchief, I loaded up New Japan World, and just settled down for some great wrestling action, when on the ceiling arose such a clatter, I dashed to the window to see what was the matter, and that was when I saw him, a great shagger in the sky. <laughs> the thing is, sorry, stopped rhyming, but I don't give a fuck. I heard him exclaim as he rode out of sight. On Fletcher, on Davis, on Akira, on TJP, <laughs> on Gideon, on Hanari, on Cobb and Osprey. Twas we had been visited by the legend himself, the great Hokan. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that intro two days ago. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> I didn't go over it once in my head before I said it out loud. Oh. Welcome, everybody, to East Sweets West. More importantly, welcome to the East Sweets West Christmas special, all about our Lord and Saviour, the Great Okan. All hail. All hail. You may or may not be able to tell, I've already halfway through my, uh, my cider here. The drinks are out. It's Christmas Eve. Grant. What a time this is. And again, we mentioned in our last episode, people could have stopped us from doing this. It's too late now. That's it. That's it. This this horse has bolted. The gate cannot be closed. This cannot be stopped. Like like the great O'Shagger, it is a force of nature and it will be done. Oh. I wonder, Grant, has there ever been a wrestler that we've just so much changed their opinions on? Because I think me more so than you was when he first showed up as part of the Empire was like, not entirely sold on the greatness of the Great Okan. But as time went on and I was given more access to his, I got, I saw more of his Twitter activity. I realised what a true legend we had before us. So what a true legend was unfolding before our very eyes. Yeah, that's I mean, I, I was always right from the get go. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm giving them a chance. You, you, you were a little bit slower to like kind of warm to him. But as we got to see not just Okan the wrestler, but the character and the real-life figure, and just how much of an ultimate shagger he really is. This, this man is a legend. Absolute legend. Absolutely. This is going to go in the vast pantheon of ESSR Christmas specials, which so far includes one other example of a Christmas special, which is all about uh, Mabel, Vistara, Big Daddy V, call him what you will. That was out a couple of years ago by Ross and Gary. It's in our back catalogue on all good Android podcasts and sites if you want to check that out. But, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say we went into this with no thought or anything about what we were going to do. We are, we know who we're talking about, but we had no structure whatsoever. Nope. I even I even say it's like, give me this blind. You have, you've, you've, you've got notes? Lead the way. We will, we will run with this because what a whirlwind, especially this year in particular, what a whirlwind time it's been to be a great Okan and a fan of the great Okan. Oh, yeah, yeah. 2022 is the year. Great Okan. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just put you a picture behind the curtain here, or a couple of examples. One, I often make notes for the show, and I send them to Grant. But I'm posting, Grant has hosted the past, and he does the same for me. So I make notes, and I send them so he knows primarily what the big talking points are going to be for the show. And sometimes bits come up during the show that we forget about, and we take it from there. This one I've made some notes for, and Grant basically told me, don't send them to me, let me go in blind, and I respected that, but let me just say, ladies and gentlemen, this is my life at the minute. Earlier this week, I was invited for work that my work, I was invited to an event that my work was helping uh, co-host at the Marriott Hotel, it was a black tie event, it was an award ceremony, I was there all in my suit, sitting at this table, expected to chat to people I'd never met before. 
second clap along for people I didn't know getting awards. And then there was some free grub being offered, so I took that, obviously. But I was also told I couldn't get pissed because I'm representing the company. So I went from that, from a black tie event, to talking about a man we've nicknamed the Great O'Shagger while drinking cider on a podcast, when we really should have been stopped from doing this. When people say about living your best life, I think this is what they were talking about. This is the dream. This is the life. And much like Francesco Akira, I also needed help with my tie when I put it on. And all, <laughs> because... all, we think of the, we think of that moment of the suits and how Okan stood out at the back like a fucking boss in a yakuza game with a woman <laughs> on each arm, king of the shaggers. <laughs> He's a guy you don't you want to invite on your stag do because he know he'll know the best place to go. He'll know how to have a good time. But also there'll be some single lads who want to get their hole on the stag do. And they don't want to invite them because they'll overshadow everybody else. Honest, the, the man is is not just a hero in wrestling; he's a hero in real life. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And let's talk about he's just he's also a legit like fucking badass in real life as well. We'll talk about some examples of it. And let me just talk about the man himself. His real name, Tomoak. I should have not drank some two cans of cider before trying to pronounce his real name. Yuki Yoka. Yes. Yes. That. So his last name is really Oka, which, you know, from Oka to Great Okan, God, you can see how that was a stretch for his wrestling name, wasn't it? Or even like the fact that he started as Okarn as well, which was a really like weird one that everyone just kind of forgets about. Yeah, I forgot about that until I was looking this up. I don't even think he dropped the Karn bit until he left very poor to go back to Japan. So, the man born is that uh, he was born on June twelfth, nineteen ninety one, which means he's currently thirty one years old. I don't know why, but I would have thought he was a little bit younger than that. I know you you kind of like it's it's quite easy to misplace his age um, and amongst everyone that he's kind of like working with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because uh, he is because there's quite a lot of young guys in the United Empire, and there's also Gideon Gray, but. Who, I don't know how old Gingry actually is, but he looks like the kind of person that's born 40 and then has to grow into it. <laughs> that's it. It's like it's like when it's like when a puppy starts to grow and it's like its its feet are fucking massive and the rest of its body hasn't <laughs> caught up yet. <laughs> yeah. Well it's hard to tell like how old he is because like I said, he's doing it by a lot of young guys. And you got people like TGP who are like older than they actually are, but you can't tell because he still looks like he's in his teens, when actually TGP is actually 38 years old. But also the fact that he's got such a glorious beard, which also confuses you about how old he is. He's got a, a beard I can only aspire to try and fail and grow. I mean, it's it's really wild as well, because I remember what he used to look like when he was a young lion as well, back in like 2016. Uh, and like seeing him back then, and like I looked at him as like, like he stood out amongst the young lions because the only person that was as big as him was Katsuya Kitamura, who has sadly passed away this year. But like, Oka just stood out. Like You looked at him and was like, that is a future heavyweight. That is a, that's a big boy waiting to ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he was... A, he was one of those people... He joined the legacy of people who weren't like fans of wrestling when they were growing up. But he was into amateur wrestling. And he was successful in, in, the, under, in the 120 kg and 125 kilogram. Uh, like classes, and he won won the old Japan Wrestling Championship in 120 kilogram freestyle class in 2012. And this is how effortlessly a guy like Okan can just waltz into a great position. He just happened to meet the then president of Bushi Road in 2013, and ends up getting signed to New Japan right then and there. It's amazing, like the fact that the only reason it took him so long to actually appear in New Japan is because he was still in university at the time. They're kind of like, right, we've signed you, finish university, then come join us. He, he, I imagine the the president of Bushy Road just looked at him the same way this man looks at like likes of Austin. They're like, wow, oh, look at him. <laughs> you can just tell, like, he's only in university, but he's definitely a shagger. Look at him. And he's going to become a bigger shagger as he gets older. Unaware just of how much of a massive shagger he would end up being. 
But yeah, like you said, he was still in university at the time, so I had to wait until 2015 before he could actually join the dojo. And so begun his 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 journey in New Japan, as all young lions start their journey. Shaved teeth, black trunks, shooter boots, and a lot of losses. Yes, not many, many losses. You can be kicked down, but he'll always get back up again. He's like Jumbo Wumpa. <laughs> and it's crazy uh, because he actually encountered some of his future stable mates back at that time, like Canary, during his yeah. days as a young lion. Yeah, I think occasionally with Team Hanari, he actually got his first win as a young lion over Hanari, but not by actually beating him, but because Hanari accidentally injured himself in the match. And so basically won by like referee's decision. That's it. Man. It's, it's when you look at the sort of the like the people that he was going up against as well and like how he how they're now his peers. It's yeah. it is a hell of a journey. And it's one thing I love about the young lion system is that we see great shaggers come into the four like this. Yeah, yeah. He was main trainer. I found out at that time in the New Japan Jojo was Yuji Nagata, but Blue Justice was his main trainer at the time. And when you look at it, it makes a shitload of sense. Mm-hmm. And he explains why, when the United Empire were just kicking off, why he had such a hatred of likes of Nagata and and uh, Kojima, because I'm sure he didn't make the road easy for him in that dojo, and I just. Every time he looked at a guy of Nagata generation, like he got PTSD flashback, like, no, never again, never again. <laughs> no, not again. I will not go back. I'll never go back. Yeah, but as uh, I found out, February 25th, 2016, in a dark match, he, uh, he got his first uh, proper match. It was a 10 minute draw against Kitamura. Uh, he'd have a few. Either you do, you never actually would get a win over Kitamura, as I would find, like from what I was uncover, you'd either go to a draw against him or you would lose to Kitamura because I do remember him at the time before he just disappeared from wrestling and then, it, as you said, he sadly passed away earlier this year. But it did seem like Kitamura was being positioned after his excursion as going to be like one of the next big guys in Japan. That's it, I mean, like. Like Kitamura was, if if nothing, like I, I honestly get the feeling that Kitamura and Okan would have probably been a team now, if Kitamura never got injured and had to leave wrestling altogether and then went down the bodybuilding route instead. Yeah, because like there was that uh, New Japan Cup, and I believe in twenty seventeen, I might say, where uh, Okan finished like the third highest scorer with six points, and. Did Gay actually wins over? He got wins over the future. Shota, he got wins over Shota Umino, and his two big losses came to the future Master Watto, who's still a young line, and to Kitamuru, who would uh, who would go on to win the tournament. So he did have to pay to his first official match on a New Japan show, which was actually televised, was against his former trainer uh, Yuji Nagata, and I'm sh- and I'm, I haven't watched the match, but I can only assume. He got battered because if it's not good, if it's going to be anyway, it may as well be your trainer. That's it. If it's going to happen, he's going to be the one to do it. He had to try and put him down before he became too powerful. Yes. If you strike him down now, he'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I looked up his record as a young lion and unsurprisingly lost. Loss, 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 draw, loss, loss. The odd win, but only against like another young line like a Shota Umino. And then there were times where he'd win, but you see he was like in a tag match team with established people. So like, you know, he wasn't actually involved in the win in any way. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, he had, to, he had to find a way. He had to learn how to win before he could become the legend he would become. But... You look at him in, in real life for a second, honestly. Not only is he a badass in the amateur wrestling world, you know, he's adapted to the wrestling world pretty quickly, the pro wrestling world. He's also apparently, I don't know how much surprise this may be to you, a massive anime fan. Like, when I first noticed that, like, what, like following his Instagram, now I said, it's like, wait a minute, he's a massive fucking weep. This man's a fucking yes. hero to me. <laughs> You're like, no, you can't be this much of a badass and this much of a nerd at the same time. 
So he's like, yes, he can. Yes. And he does it in the most spectacular fashion. <laughs> he he cites his, his Milky Holmes is his favourite anime, which if you if you went in someone's uh, search history and just the and just those two words came up anywhere in the search history, you wouldn't immediately assume there was some sort of anime going on there. You would think, Jesus, where the hell? What kind of sites are you visiting? It sounds like a dodgy Pornhub search. It does, and I've been trying to look up what this what this actually is, and just seemingly there's many different variations and franchises of this. It's just so confusing to me. This is why I don't understand anime. But I looked up here, and this is not, definitely not from Wikipedia, but Detective Opera Milky Holmes is a media <laughs> franchise owned by Japanese trading card company Bushi Road. So his employers also own his, uh, his favourite anime as well. So isn't that just convenient? <laughs> That's it. It's just, it's just. Uh, I, I, I honestly love watching these like updates because he's in these like fucking mad anime cafes surrounded by like female like body pillows and shit like that, and anime merchandise, while usually wearing some of the sharpest suits known to man, and just looking utterly a massive shagger. The man is just such an enigma, isn't he? he? Dresses one way, like his actions say a different thing. It's just like you're like, wait, what's going on here? What is this? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh. I mean, you wouldn't actually call the great kind of nerd or anything like that to his face, of course. Unless you went Mongolian chopped so hard, both your collarbones get broken. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right, I'm just reading more about this bloody Milky Holmes thing. First release was an internet radio drama in December 2009. How do you have an anime radio drama? Like, it doesn't even seem physically possible. What is this magic? How do you do it? <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just, I thought I had some info, but I'm just uncovering layers and layers about this person, aren't I? It's like an onion. All the layers. <laughs> Legends have layers, like ogres. We have layers. <laughs> oh. Yes, obviously, a rough road is a young line, as there are for many young lines. But, of course, this would then lead him on to his excursion and the creation of the man we know now as it would be June 30th, 2018, at Strong Style of Old UK. Okan would debut as the great Okard, as at the time, as we mentioned. And he would defeat again Shota Umino with a Mongolian chop from the second rope. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't do that anymore. And I remember it was like, I think it was Kevin Kelly and Gideon Gray even maybe doing the commentary because it was kind of a Red Pro Huge Banker crossover event. And I remember watching it and not really getting what he was meant to be at the time. And I don't think in 2018 anybody else was prepared for this character because I remember it being absolute silence when he came out. I know it was like when we, cause I, I, I watched, I've actually watched that back recently, like in preparation for this, and it was just like the reaction to O'Karn's appearance was just so fucking confused and underwhelming. It was like, wait, what? Yeah, it's like he was doing like the the hand movements, everything he had the cloth give over his face and everything, and like it was like, what, what is this magic? What is this weird moments you are doing? Like he's he's hypnotizing the entire crowd. It, it has such a weird entrance because it's someone that like someone I know like actually showed it to someone who doesn't watch wrestling and they're like, "Why the fuck is that man coming?" I was like, "What do you mean he's fucking jammies? That's traditional Mongolian garb." And they're like, "It's very fucking confusing. What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think... "You're confused. I'm fucking confused." <laughs> yeah. Like everybody was confused at the time. It took him a while to be able to really realise what they were really witnessing. And it would it, it was always silly and the name of Car especially is and the, the dress was obviously a reference to Genghis Khan, uh, who famously is said that there are like hundreds, if not thousands, of this direct descendants from them even today. Like I even seen an article that said one in two hundred men are direct descendants of great of Genghis Khan, and I think if uh, I think if Great Khan keeps up the level he's going, he's going to have his married right to sound in about forty years' time. 
Oh yeah, based on the based on the amount of women that we see him in pictures with, it's like yeah, this this man is definitely like he must be blood related to, to like the Genghis Khan because he is dominating mm. in every way possible. Yes, he is a, definitely a dominator. Uh, sorry, I had a, I had a weird pun joke there, but I was like, don't know if I should say that. <laughs> yeah, he goes in the right. He's a dominator, but in the bedroom, he he dominates her. <laughs> it's not wrong it's definitely not wrong based on the fact that especially when you see what his, what his comments are as well when he's always like all oh, these women throw themselves at me it's like just fucking rub it in why don't you shagger I mean if you were him you wouldn't exactly be humble about it either would you no nah, no, nah, definitely not I'd be bragging about it to the, for the top of the rooftops yeah I mean it's also the fact that you know he has a very unique st- look as well he's got the beard Kind of shaven head. He managed to have a shaven head and a ponytail at the same time, and still look better than both of both of our resident recent shaved head experts, Stephen Wilson <laughs> and David Hockney. <laughs> well, David Hockney hasn't went the full hog yet. He's still holding on to that. I, I, give him a few years. I mean, he, look, he looks better than Buddy Ryan Gallagher. The Buddy, Buddy. <laughs> He wears, wears, enough, wears a big enough sunglasses. He looks like buddy Professor Eggman from Sonic. Professor Eggman after he loses a moustache. Or Mr. Worldwide, Pitbull himself. <laughs> but hell. Buddy Mr. Worldwide after a big come down, more like it. Jesus. Mr. You Worldwide? Mr. Clydebank. <laughs> <Bank. laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm actually going through some of Okan's like, Instagram here. And then I just seen a big picture of everybody in the United Empire with, with suits and like I don't know how maybe it's just rubbing off on him but I think he's getting sick and how Gideon Grey even looks cool in this in this photo like I think it's just like I think it's just like second hand coolness of rubbing off from everyone else onto him so he doesn't look so out of place and it, the the English translation here is we are professional even when I get off the ring well, like, you've got all that stuff and then you've got like other ones and he's like where he's like literally put a collage up of him making pilgrimages to an- anime sacred places <laughs> yeah all those just and we've just random plates of food as well man man loves a meal like and it's always expensive meals as well he always likes to <laughs> he also he's also recently judged a beauty contest as well and then honestly, he's just got pictures of all these women and he said, I'm a bad dominator, judging beauty content. However, I will be a good target for those who aim to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I just think we a group of women and then randomly it's the women doing the other contest, but he's blurred out the women because I think of how they're dressed. Oh, no, never mind, a sword cray. So around there's a knot, there's def- a definitely not a blurred picture. <laughs> He's, he's got he's got such a he's got such a way of like it, it also his ability to sell things as well his ability yeah. to sell in and outside of the ring is incredible mm-hmm. I mean who who wouldn't want this man as your spokesperson that's it to think he went through a very like, I, I watched a lot of his excursion in the UK and honestly I enjoyed it but I, I know for a fact a lot of British fans aren't exactly the best the best that, that fucking picture you've just sent me from that that Instagram picture is actually incredible. He is literally just sitting there in a pile of money with two naked women. How, how old is this? Because that's way more hair than he has now. Like, Boy, I that's, even think, that's an oldie, that. I don't even know how even that is meant to be. Or is he maybe comparing himself to whoever this is in the floor? Or is that meant to be him? God knows. Does it look like he's got Goto's hair? It looks like it looks like some, a cross between him and Suzuki. He's got the <laughs> Suzuki chin in there. But like, I even say this. I say this with the caption. I can't even explain this. I can't even explain. It's like if you scroll back, it's a fair bit. If you scroll back through his Instagram, but it's him judging this beauty contest, and there's like eight pictures, and the seventh one is just that. This man is it? It's unreal. Like what I'm actually looking at, and I'm just. It's it's just it's wild. Like like how did the, how did these things even happen? That and he's also got his random collection of like pictures of manholes in Japan as well. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something different. Like, man, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> never mind. I'm not even going to go where I was going. 
Yeah, but it's, it's so weird. Like, like, see him go from like awkward young lion, then go through his like transition over here, where, as I say, I know for a fact that he wasn't like a lot of the British fans, a lot of the like the smart marks now that I think they know everything, weren't the biggest fan of biggest fan of him over here. I personally loved him. He went undefeated. Man was a legend. Yeah. Sorry, I just found a photo also of him and Kit Moura when they were both young lions. I think he, he shared that when Kit Moura passed away as like a tribute. But then you see him back then, like you said, shaving. He looks like a skinny Ishii when he's clean shaven. He really does. And, it's, and the thing is, like, he was big then at that point, too. That, but it just shows you how much bigger Kitamura was because Kitamura is built like a fucking tank there. Yeah. So I just looking at it, like, you could do a Japanese looper with like him as Joseph Gordon Levitt and Ishii as Bruce Willis. Oh my God. Oh, that would be fucking incredible. Someone needs to market that to New Japan. They need to get on that immediately. Also, every time you see a photo with him with a new, with women, he always blurs their faces out for the most part. Like he's got one where he's just with two random women with a bunch of like jars of food around them. He says, "We meet a girl, give her a present. Sweet food and sweet masks are enough." Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Oh god, this man! This man is a this man is a hero. Every, I could just spend all day reading his Instagram. Like, there's another one with a woman. And he just says, when well, he's out of dinner, he says, I have many female friends, so today I was only able to treat myself to a cheap dinner of $1,000. It's like, a cheap dinner of only $1,000, it's like, what? I mean, I mean, I know there's a crazy conversion rate between you know, Japan and the rest of the world, but Jesus. Sorry, I'm going to get off his Instagram for now. I'll come, maybe we'll come back to it later. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're almost half an hour into this, so we didn't have a format for this. I actually done the I actually done the math or what like using the current conversion rates. His his bill on that Instagram picture was ninety five thousand yen. That is currently five hundred and ninety two pounds and ninety four pence. Fuck me. <laughs> if you're a pretty girl, we well, can mate. Mm. So Rio Khan goes to Rare Pro as you said, un unpinned, undefeated in Rare Pro. And he didn't really venture far out of Rare Pro, like mainly because they had the relationship with New Japan, so there that's where he went for his excursion. Like you say, he would go on this undefeated run and he would defeat some pretty big names at the time. He got wins over Mark Davis, TK Cooper, Martin Kirby, and at their show Summer Sizzler. At their show Summer Sizzler, he defeated Shane Strickland. Swear of himself. That is yeah. fucking massive. Yeah, I think that would probably would have been his biggest win like to date at that point. He was also his handler slash manager was Gideon Gray, who was forming his little group, the Legion. Who at the time the members also included Rampage Brown and Jeff Samuels. Yeah, it was such it was actually such a fucking random group, but they were all big, big lads. Mm-hmm. I know it, it just seems a way like that's like you look at like different periods in the UK and they seem like you just look at this scene one point and then you take it two years later or two years after. And like it can change just so quickly. It's it is such a wild, wild landscape that we had mm-hmm. during that during that time, and obviously he, he made some some big impressions because they got thrust into a pretty fucking big position when he came back. But yeah, there was a big thing that happened with him repro recently, which we didn't mention on the last episode, but I think it's important we mention it later on. Uh, and this episode we'll save it for later on and it's great that it happened in time for this episode so you've got Gideon Grey there, he's his handler, he's going in this undefeated, they're really getting over this, this Grey Khan character and then he and Rampage form like a proper tag team in Red Pro and you know, I know I think he's one of the few people, Rampage that wasn't let go when XT UK kind of ended so I think he's still there under like contract but hasn't been let go or being put on TV, I think they're waiting for Europe, but how much would you allow if Rampage was able to leave WWE or leave his current deal and come to Japan and be yet another tag partner for Great Okan and World Tag League? Well, I have a pleasant surprise for you, because I think it could potentially happen still, because Rampage has been wrestling on the, the Indies in the northwest of England over the last mm. couple of months. Um, it's one of those things that just seems to have happened on the quiet, and I think he is kind of like slowly but surely taking more bookings, so yeah. you know, Get 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 him in the get him in the empire. Come on, Osprey. Yeah. Give Rampage a call. I know Rampage deserves to be like be put on a bigger stage than he currently is because I think because I do remember 
Like you had the people who showed up for World Collide for the UK roster, and then there were like a bunch of people who got let go because they didn't they didn't feel as ready to keep them on board before Europe exit Europe started next year, and they didn't have anything for them. But so they let a bunch of people go. But they let, they kept like five random names. So I think they kept like Dragonoff who later showed up. They kept Isla Dawn who later showed up, and then there were like three other names where I think Rampage was one of them. Uh, I can't remember, really remember, but yeah, I would love these two because like it does feel like it's come around to see it half it started here that okay, I just seems to drift from tag partner to tag partner at the minute. That's because no one can contain being <laughs> beside such an incredibly charismatic and strong shagger as they all can. But then they would enter a series of matches for to to challenge for the vacant uh, uh, rare pro tag titles at the time, and one of the eliminatory matches they got to for themselves on in that uh, series to get to the rare pro tag titles. At one point, Rampage and Yuko uh, Khan defeated the recent former NXT tag team champions, Pretty Deadly. <laughs> God, what a match that is! Like, look at where those guys have gone on since. That's it, it's just, it's unreal, like, all these combinations, you're like, wait, these people actually fought each other in the past? Yeah. This shit is wild. Yeah, and then something I didn't know about until like, I was doing research for October 13, 2019, Great Okada and Rampage Brown defeat Curtis Chapman and Dan McGee to win the, uh, to win the, to win the Red Pro tie team titles that were then vacant, and then, given that Southside Wrestling was ending, they unified those belts a month later, with the Southside Wrestling Tag Team titles, defeating the team known as Moonlight Express, team of Mao, I think is his name, and Mike Bailey. And that is a team that I have seen live once, and the time that I saw Moonlight Express was at Fight Club Pro, and they were against the Lucha Bros, and they are a fucking nuts tag team. <laughs> well, there you go. And so, the Legion would continue to dominate Red Pro in multi-man matches, I'm just sad. I sad. I'd never seen Rampage and Kurt Okan as the tag team because I can only imagine they were just absolute beasts in the ring. I said it was honestly like you. You look at all these like combinations. It's like no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I don't think they ever officially lost the belts either. Because I think the combination of the pandemic plus Okan going back. Being they were on the Empire, not being around in the UK, basically just led to the titles being vacated. Plus, I think Rampage and that interim got signed to WWE for XC UK. So basically, Okan remain kept his undefeated. He was not pinned or submitted to lose his tag team titles. Yeah, that's it. Like the um, even Southside Wrestling eventually wound up as a company and got absorbed into Rev Pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the most recent show they were meant to have like a unification of the like the Southside Women's and Red Pro Women's belts, but Alex Windsor, the Red Pro Women's champion, was like unable to compete. So there's technically still one Southside belt still hanging around. Yeah, the Southside belt went to former NXT UK alumni Danny Luna. Mm-hmm. There you go. So eventually that unification match will probably happen, but yeah, do you recall? I think we. We've been doing the show longer than I remember. We've been doing the show longer than I thought that we've been doing it. But do you remember? Because we talked about it on the show. Your thoughts when you were sitting there watching the A Block final between Osprey and Okada, and then when the Great Okada made his, his grand return to Japan. God, that was that was some time ago. That and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we were both pretty like fucking blown away by what happened at the time. Like it was yeah. genuine fucking shot. Like Osprey turning heel on Okada um, mm. through the help of B Priestley and we're like, who is this man in the suit? That's the fucking great Okan. Mm-hmm. And obviously I hadn't been following a lot of his stuff in the UK. I knew he was out there and doing pretty dominant stuff and that he was quite dominant in Rev Pro. And then uh, but I kind of forgotten about him. And then he came out and I'm like, oh, fucking him. Because <laughs> again, I wasn't sold just yet. But like... Again, this is a very Western style, like, finish this one, because, like, you had, you had B. Priestley distracting the referee, feeling concerned for Will, and then Buddy Great O'Kan comes out, just does a, the claw with a big tape fist, and they eliminate her onto uh, Okada, and then Osprey, at post-match especially, 
with a very vicious like hidden blade and then just shit talking Okada and him be pretty you know can the initial empire like remember there was a time they were just the empire not the united empire yeah and it was like it was it was weird because it was like it really was just like a two like a three-person faction because like well Bruce Priestley wasn't wrestling in New Japan because women still weren't wrestling in New Japan so she was just kind of there as a distraction piece and Okan was kind of the muscle but it was it, it was such it was such a weird and then it was like the next day they were wrestling Okada and showing a tag match yeah his first official match I think by then he dropped the Okan and became the great Okan and got his first official win on New Japan and then he continued his dominance there because the other two are going out to power struggle it basically was a case of Osprey and Okan defeat Okada and insert revolving door of partners here. I know it's and uh, in fact I'm I'm looking at this like statistic because like obviously they had that tag match and it leads up to power struggle with Okan and Okada and a historical streak ended. But the statistic behind it is truly fucking baffling. <laughs> 861 days undefeated. That's another reason to fucking hate Okada. Yeah. I know. Yeah, why is that to ruin everything? Because then I remember it was all leading up to oh, Okada, you're not going to fight Osprey until Rest Kingdom. So I'm pretty sure it'll be Okada versus Okan. Which, even if I was sold on him yet, which I wasn't just yet, it was a case of like, well, the guys just came back from Excursion and immediately being fed to Okada. Like, I know you come back from Excursion and you, like, you have a, a loss and then you eventually bounce back as they find their plan for you and how they're going to push you. But again, Okada wins LOL is very much a big thing in Japan still today. Uh, and so, like, they kind of protected him a little bit because they still were trying to get, make the money clip happen, which like Fetch and Mean Girls. It's not going to happen. Yeah, so they had him like pass out, so it was like referee's decision, so he technically didn't willingly give up. But again, like, okay, so like, welcome back, Okada. You're going to be the the first stop on Okada's road to Osprey. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was at that point where like Okan just being thrust into like the that, and of course Okada was doing his. Yeah, I'm a moody little bitch. I'm still going to win every match, though, because I'm Okada and I can't go and get beat. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But then he did lead to World Tag, which, again, he has this role and door like partners, but his most consistent partner, I think, so far has been Jeff Cobb and the team for the first time in the 2020 World Tag League. I remember it being a big shock at the time when Jeff Cobb uh, was the was a partner and then at the time it was Tanahashi and the later member of the United Empire Hinari and they got absolutely fucking squashed by Cobb and Okan which I think was maybe a case of like oh they weren't prepared for Cobb to be the partner I'm, I still maintain that that, that beating that they got was the, the sole side that convinced Hinari to think hmm maybe I should be fighting with these guys rather than against them and that, and that was part of the rise of Can and the Cobb as the tag team was affectionately known. I'll try to take a drink at that point. He'll choke to death there. <laughs> I can't believe I never thought of that before. I mean, I'd jokingly called them the Olympic Shaggers before, but to each his own. Each his own. You've got this. You've got the safe for work version. Can and the cob. You've got the not safe for work version. The Olympic Shaggers. Yeah, I just I went I immediately went to the lower bar. I immediately went for a shagger. Some variation of Shagger. <laughs> but, I mean, they didn't win, but they did have a strong show in that year. As they were finished on like 10 points, I think it was. So, you know, putting over, they'll slowly but surely add into the United Empire. But then they randomly, I still think this is random, because they just throw this in there. Oh, by the way, all, the, all three members of the United Empire are going to have uh, singles matches. What's the, what are we going to do with the camp? Gonna have him fight Tanahashi. Why? Because he doesn't like him. Why does he not like him? Because reasons. <laughs> he just doesn't like him. Simple as that. That's that's it. There is no 
and and this was a very unfortunate Wrestle Kingdom for the United Empire as well. Ah, uh, yeah. I remember being so sure, like, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna win at least one of these three matches. Like, I thought either Osprey, I figured Okan probably would win, even though it would be weird for me to lose again. But I thought, yeah, well, either I was so confident that either Cobb would win the Never Belt from Shingo, or like Okada would lose to Osprey and then lead to a later match in line where Okada got his win. But no, all three of them lost. Right, just clean cut, decisive, all all clean. Nope, that's it. I was like, well, that's how you fucking kill a new st- stable's momentum in one go. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked that the Empire have still carried on the way they have after such like a sh- shitty performance individually. Because, again, even if I was sold on uh, Okan, his early bookie come back from excursion was not going to help convince you, though. Because, again, big loss to Okada. Decent tag league run. Next time he's in singles against Tanahashi. And he loses. And then, annoyingly enough, a few months later after uh, Tanahashi won the Never Belt, oh, Khan's going to challenge him. I want revenge. I want the Never Belt. And then he lost again. And you wonder, like, you lost at Red Kingdom, so what justification do you have to win the want a title match in the first place? Which, again, I still maintain he should have beat Okan, he should have beat Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, and then lost in the Never title, because at least, even though he lost in the title match, he still would have been justified to challenge for it, because he was the last guy to beat Tanahashi. That's it. They, they could have done so much. For, although he d- he did win one very monumental victory during that time, and yes. that was a bit over the Mongolian chop. Ah, yes, a true championship in its own right, the Mongolian chop. <laughs> yes, I remember that war. I remember the brutal, almost gangland gangland assault on buddy uh, Tenkozy. The on New Year's Dash that year, just like just they got absolutely murdered by the United Empire because they were all just so pissed off about their their losses. Like, are we going to throw a proper tantrum? No, let's try and murder some old men. I know it's like, are we going to go after people with belts? No. Are we going to go after like young lions? Not even close. Let's go after the grandpas. Yes, <laughs> let us do that. And then, buddy Tenzon. Either he's confused or he's trying to be a little shithouse. Still went and done the Mongolian chops anyway, but gave them different names. Like, no, these aren't Mongolian chops. These are Corrigan Clubs. No, also remember, and I, th- I, I, I lost track of what point that he stopped doing it. Do you remember when he used to do the Mongolian chop and he let out the most high-pitched fucking squeal that you'd ever hear before he'd do it? Yes, that was very off-putting. <laughs> it was so distracting. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Does someone did someone just grab a hold of your your testicles? There, like, like I say, are your are your pants, are your trunks, a bit too tight. Maybe try and change some more looser trunks before you try and do that move again. I was like, is he doing an Austin Powers? Judo chop, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. What was interesting, like, it was a weird time for Ken at that point in 2021 because. He, he went on this run of like losing important singles matches for the most part, but like constantly winning in some variation of tag match or like a singles match against either an a legend like uh, Kojima or Tenzan or like a young lion. I think at one point in twenty twenty one, like he had like one of the better he and like Jeff Cobb had like one of the better win lost records to, like anybody on the roster. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things like you think it's like ah oh, his, his record can't be that good, and then you actually get the stats, and it's like hang on, we're we're sitting on a little a little sleeper hit here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. He, had, he had he had some un- unsuccessful things, but I mean he had one of his biggest victories of his entire career as well during during uh in fact yeah, it was the New Japan Cup twenty twenty one. He beat fucking Naito. I know, that came out of fucking nowhere, just like, it was a big shock at the time, like, Jesus. And then the very next, what happens in the very next round of the New Japan Cup, he loses to, yeah, no. <laughs> like, ah, oh, alright then. And then I started a never-ending thing between the United Empire and uh, LIG, which inevitably, a random, I think it was a road to show as well, Naito got his win back in about a 20-minute match. That's it, it was such a... 
it, it very much felt like O'Kan had this very much 50-50 booking through a lot of 2021. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. It's like, does this match mean something? You're going to lose it. Does it mean anything? No? You're going to lose it. You're going to win yeah. it even. I know. He's still, in, in New Japan at least, he's yet to win like an actual singles title, which I'm still annoyed about. But as much as I don't care about he's lost to Yano, it does feel like, at the minute, his greatest rival so far in a singles context has been Tori Yano, just for the sheer shenanigans that have been going on between those two. Like He, he forced him to cut his own ponytail. So you can never underestimate Yano as an absolute spoiler, because I think, if I remember correctly, the record is still that Yano has never lost to Suzuki in the G1. I mean, in theory, Suzuki should murder Yano 100 times out of 100. But no, he manages to be an absolute shite bag and beat Suzuki every time. Yeah, it does feel like they're like a yin and yang thing, like they're destined to do this forever. Because Yano's really got the one up on him for the most part. But every time he thinks he's got it figured out, something happens to you know, help Yano win, even most recently getting the bloody great Muta to help him out. Yeah, and the whole thing with Muta is possibly the best sell job I've ever seen involving the mist ever. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I said on a past episode when he when I saw the pictures of him, I was like, Jesus, it looks like bloody Liam Neeson in Dark Man. <laughs> <laughs> it proper was. It was probably Liam I was half expecting when he took off the bandages it was gonna be like fucking two face in the dark night. Oh. If anyone could do a Japanese two face kind of gimmick it would be great, okay. Oh, God, that'd be incredible. I'd love to see that happen down the line. And then I remember it being weird at the time. I believe he was kind of passed over in 2021 for the G1, wasn't he? But I think his first one was probably in 2022. And he did take part in the, the 2021. He finished with four right. wins and five losses. Oh, fair enough. I forgot about that. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. He, he yeah, I remember like I think he like he won like three in a row, and uh, he got two points later on because the fight night one of the last nights he was meant to fight Naito, but I think it was the year that Naito got injured, like his first match, and so at one point he was running away like a block leader, a long time like Zach Stewart Jr. and then Zach beat him. And I'm sure at one point he may have called him a dickhead because that's just the thing that Zach does. Uh, and then just, I think he just as if he burned too brightly because after that it was just lost, 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 lost. And then in a block of just like five other guys in 2022, he only won two matches. So he's got he's he's not really quite figured out how to get the win in the, the G1 just yet. Not yet, but we have plenty and plenty of time mm-hmm. to get things back on track for the great old shagger. <laughs> And then, like, I think what he's really missing right now in New Japan is like a proper singles win on like a big stage, because when Wrestle Kingdom came around, like even in World Tag League with Nari, then Wrestle Kingdom came around, and I still can't remember why they did this other than just ah oh, Lij Empire. It was like him versus Sanada just out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just, it's just random as fuck. <laughs> It's, it's like sometimes they don't know what to do with him because it's like there's just too much power in the Great Oshagar. It's like we need to we need to do something with him, but we can't just put him straight to the top. What do we do? There's just so much power you just don't know how to contain it. You must put him somewhere. Just put him just there. Just stay there. It's like that'll do right there for now. What uh, out of the single sales in New Japan? What one do you think you should like, kind of go for? Is he like first proper bit of gold? Because I've heard some people online saying that they think you would make a really great TV uh, champion when that belt guy starts going. I think that would be a great shout. I I think if not the TV belt, I would not complain at the idea of him maybe taking a run with the the strong open weight belt. Oh, that is interesting. It is interesting. Because he has be been a- over there and strong uh strong in like New Japan US shows. Unfortunately he's had some bad days on uh, the in the US for New Japan because he uh he had to lose to Chase fucking Owens of all people. That's like, not how you pick a man so powerful as the Great Shagger. 
That's it. He, need, he needs somewhere to be able to use that power strongly Ooh. and responsibly. In what better place than strong? Well, because he's in very pro and like you could do at least story. I'm winning titles in, in the UK, in America, and now Japan. I will truly be a dominator of all continents. All hail that great dominator. Yes. Uh, don't don't act like listen. Don't act like you won't let him dominate you as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, I felt wrong saying that, but we did have them finally win some gold. It came at Hyper Battle. Still can't believe the name show that Hyper Battle Twenty Two, where he and Jeff Cobb would defeat Bishamon to become the IWGP World Tag Team Champions. But they wouldn't get long to celebrate because then they would drop them. It would be a weird turn of events where they would lose them to a. Uh, it was uh, it was chasing Fally and a weird triple threat, and then they would win them back at Dominion, only to then lose them again at a triple threat at Forbidden Door. So, what a whirlwind time that was! I know it was it was such a wild, wild, and and that's thing like they even when you look at it, they like they won the belts, then they lost lost them, and and then. They never should have lost them to Fally and Chase Owens. I'm sorry, that's a fucking controversy on its own. Regain them and then lose them in a in a triple in a triple threat match. Was that a triple threat? Yeah, it was a triple threat. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're pumping advice for there because like the Ring of Honor belts were on the line because with FTRs as well, and I think they, they couldn't legally do AAA because obviously New Japan have a deal with with CMLL, so which is why certain people couldn't be on the card for that show. So it was a whole thing. I don't even think bloody. O'Connor or Cobb were even involved in it. It was uh, Rocky that got pinned in the end. <laughs> it was such a weird, weird, and you know, that, you know, it happened. It happened. Um, and then it was in the, the G1 again this year. Sadly, the smaller box didn't help him any. <laughs> he, he, beat, uh, he beat Ishii. Uh, fucking, again, Chase Owens beat him again. What is it with them picking Chase Owens to beat Great O'Connor? Jesus. I know, it's just fucking wrong. Just fucking wrong. Motherfuckers. And then obviously it all led on to like the whole Muta instant and then like Can and the Cobb having to get put on ice because Cobb was injured and the rise of the Holy Seaman Army. Yes, him and Hanari for the second year in a row got in there World Tag League. Again, maybe not the strongest outing, but you know, at least they did. Yes, but they did they did well enough. I definitely could see them challenging the winners of the of the Wrestle Kingdom match coming up with Bishamon v FTR you know it was good to see Okan and uh, and Cobb get that match at Battle Autumn what they had with uh, with FTR you know kind of almost a, their official rematch in a way and because I think Cobb got injured in that match almost or he left a injury in that match Okan had to like solder a lot of the burden and basically wrestle two on one against FTR I'm I'm going to call it. They didn't work. They didn't win World Tag League because FTR scared of the Great O'Can. <laughs> that, that is it. That is the that is the truth. But going back to remember the time of Forbidden because I remember it was like the Go Home Dynamite before Double or Nothing. They just randomly it was a match between FTR and everybody by for the Ring of Honor tag titles, and Colin O'Can just interfered and beat up everybody, and. This was right about the time where we, where the world truly took notice of the legend that is Great O'Can, and we got the Great O'Can's time in Las Vegas. My God, I remember sending you this, going, "Check out what the Great O'Can's up to." Uh, and I, I remember seeing all of this, and just like he was riding a mechanical penis, and hanging out with, started hanging out with porn stars. I just openly flaunting that fact on social media. Just, you know, how can you not fall in love with a guy like that? That's it. Was like openly with porn stars, with strippers on the strip in Las Vegas, literally just posing with them while they were pretty much nothing. Uh, going going to the beach in these budgie smugglers with uh, Davis and and Fletcher, which was quite a fucking wild one. Yeah, I know. Oh. And that's where we truly realised, and I think that's why I, uh, partly what cost me the Forbidden Door sweep in the end, because I went with Cobb and Okan to win that. I thought they just won the belts back, there's maybe some New Japan politicking, 
at times when they like when certain talents go over to the US. So but yeah, they'll definitely have Cobb and O'Can win because you know Tony Khan won't miss having the Ring of Honor belts not on TV because he's not doing anything with Ring of Honor. But you know, I went with my heart over my head in that one. That cost me. And also in the year our Lord twenty twenty two, O'Can, his biggest probably his biggest accolade in real life to date, when he actually saved a ten year old girl from getting harassed by a sixty one year old man. She yes. was about to be kidnapped and he saved her. Yeah. This man is a up, true hero. He was like on the street but then ended up in the woman who was being attacked's house and just apprehends this guy. I think he beats him up and then ends up sitting on him until the police got there. Which I think is why he's so prominent would be doing that move in the corner where he grabs your arms and sits on you like I did this to a pervert on the street, I can do it to you. That was beautiful. He literally saved this girl, gave her his cookies. While holding off this, he held off this guy with one arm, and then, mm-hmm. and then when when asked about what he wanted for a reward, he says, "No reward is required. Please just watch New Japan Pro Wrestling." What a, what a fucking salesman! What a company man through and through. And he also stated in an interview with the Tokyo Sports newspaper, he stated that helping that girl was more valuable than a championship belt. That man can never be booked as a heel in New Japan after that. Never. No, not, never. Never again. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's just a model of a person. That's a, that's a human being we shall aspire to be more like. That's why there's that love. If you want to be listening to this so far, like, why are you doing special that we're in this man? There. That's the only thing. How can we not, you know, celebrate a human being like that? That's it. The man was an utter, utter legend for what he'd done there. Absolute hero. And... God love him. God fucking That's love right. him. Found the full quote. He said, he, got, he said, I wouldn't be a person who would normally give my name and I wouldn't receive it, but I thought if I didn't receive it, I would spread awareness of crime prevention, so I decided to ask for it. And he got the commendation from the police, and he went. that's why he went carrying it, carrying it around. Winning for matches, even though he was technically, like he said, booked to the heel, but he was letting people know, like, you know, getting that mes- message of, like, crime prevention out there, you know. I love Bailey, but this man is the true role model in pro wrestling. <laughs> That's it. He just—I I can never look past him now. Like th- this man would have to do something epically horrendous for me to go to look down upon him. Oh, don't even don't even put that in the universe, even in a hypothetical, because you know if something ever came out of that about him, then I would never be able to. This entire special would have to be erased from existence. I would never want that to happen. Don't, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> don't you put that evil on me. No, no, but we know that we've had such a storied career already from the great Okan, personally and professionally, and things mm. can only get better because he's only 31. He's still young. Yeah. Things, only place to go is up from here. You know, you had Kevin Kelly rightfully telling everyone to all hail the great Okan, and we've continued that message on in East Meets West. And then people say that Kevin Kelly just made these up, but I know that for a fact these are true stories about the Great Okan's other heroic deeds, like helping old women cross the street and saving those kittens from drowning. You're trying to tell me that Great Okan is not a real-life superhero? Exactly. I refuse to accept anything less. Someone out there needs to do it, whether it's a manga or a comic book series, do a comic book centered around the Great Okan. Oh god, it needs to happen. Please, New Japan. Capitalise on it. Make the merch. Make it happen. Give the people what they want. Yeah. WWE used to partner with a, a, a comic company that's not around anymore, Chaos Comics, back in like 2000. And did like comics about The Rock, Undertaker and fucking China, which by all accounts, from what I've heard, are apparently shit and self-serving. So, do want a bit of true here. Now is the time for, for wrestling-related comic books to make a comeback. <laughs> Now is the true time. That is it. And there is your perfect subject for it. Make it happen. Make it happen. But then also, you started putting out stuff about hanging out with porn stars and everything. And then you and I just randomly just started fantasizing a weird world with the great O'Cannon's involved in the porn industry himself. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah. I get the feeling it's going to happen. I maintain that he could do that a spare time and Ujipad wouldn't even say anything about it. You know, he wouldn't be like Mandy Rose. He wouldn't get fired for anything like that if a 
The explicit pictures were leaked out there, but a great old kid New Japan would probably just pat him on the back. <laughs> just well done. Well done. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well done indeed. Oh. But the only other, I think one of the only other things to say is to mention a recent thing that happened because I knew this was happening in about late December. It got announced after he got the win over Ricky Knight Jr. at Royal Quest. I believe it was on night two. But as much as Gideon Green is not as well loved by certain UK fans as he is in Japan, it was great seeing the group come back in the UK for Royal Quest. He earned himself a match against Ricky Knight Jr., the current British undisputed Red Pro British heavyweight champion. Forget how full that is. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, and so he tra- Okan was looking to bring it back to the Empire. It was match built as undisputed versus undefeated. Uh, and Ricky Jr. couldn't perform because he was injured. So Zach, uh, so Zach Zodiac had to perform in his place. And I almost forgot the match was happening. And then I got a message from yourself, Grant, just saying, he fucking did it. Is that- he fucking done it. I was fucking losing my shit. I was like, oh my god, it's happened. The special is on. The cherry has went on top. Yes. I know. Like, if, it, if he didn't win it, this special would have a dark cloud over the top of it. But the fact he's done it, his first bit of singles gold, maybe not in Japan, but it's in the UK where he's most dominant. He became the dominator there. And like you said, have him go after the strong belt belts in the UK, America, go for a belt in Japan, like the Never Belt or the US Belt, something along those lines. Fuck it, give all the belts to the great Okan and let long may he reign as Red Pro British Heavyweight Champion. All hail. All hail. <laughs> yes, I for one welcome our new British ruler, the great Okan. Yeah. That's it. Let, let him chop, let him Mongolian chop the po- Tories out of power. That would be beautiful. <laughs> I remember hearing about the story of him saving that girl. And something I'll always wonder, did he at any point hit that weird pervert with a Mongolian chop? Oh my god, that would be incredible. Just hearing the scream, then the sound. Yeah, he, let, he let out the screech to the first distract him, and then hit him with the chop. <laughs> oh chop. god, I, I hope it's Mongolian true. Mongolian chop. <laughs> I really hope it's true. <laughs> uh, but what's weird about that is that match wasn't even the main event from what I've heard of that show because I think it was like Osprey versus Leon Slater who's getting ready to go over to Japan for a bit. And so then Okan came out later on and he could do and Osprey all posed at the top of the ramp. Osprey with his US belt around his waist, Okan with a Red Pro belt around his waist. And Gedding was also there. But like I remember sending you those other pictures when they came <laughs> out of Okan with the belt properly right around their waist. I'm like, God, that belt just looks so good on him. That's it. You had ZSJ vs Leon Slater in the first half. Uh, the first half, the the second, the first event in the second half was the title match because it felt like they had to change it in the order because they were wrecking Knight Junior. You know what I mean? And the main event was yeah. Here, how's this for a belter? We got Osprey vs Ishii as the main event, and apparently it was an absolute stormer. Yes, no surprises there. I don't know why I randomly said it was Leon Slater versus Osprey. Maybe I got confused. I'm four cans in at this point. Leave me alone. <laughs> It's Christmas. I'm celebrating. Everyone has a drink at Christmas. So, fuck it. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Yeah. It's Christmas. Ah. Ah. Anyway, yes. But it sounds like a hell of a show. If I can find a way to watch that, you know. Red Pro have not been shy about putting Red Pro matches that involve New Japan talent, like certain Empire members on New Japan World. So, as they can find a way to maybe get the Osprey versus Ishii match or the Leo Kan title win on New Japan World, I'd. Please, no, I'd like to enjoy that. Please and thank you. Oh, yes. Let the world see this glorious win for Great Okan. <laughs> uh, ah, Zach, you know, you weren't good enough to go to WWE. You had to sit in the crowd and watch Saria have her come back, and now you must be the one to fall victim to the Great Okan. You've had your ups and your downs, haven't you? <laughs> ups and downs, but all, all in all, he's always a winner in our eyes. <laughs> ah, but that I think has to be us for now I don't know what that more is to say you know we said all hail for about 20 fucking times throughout this fucking show you know <laughs> I say hopefully he has a long reign as, as British heavyweight champion and, it, and they don't just give it back to, to Ricky when he's healthy but yeah, long term what do you think the, uh, the heights are for the uh, 
for Greater Khan. Will he eventually break out from the Empire on his own? Do you think he is potential to be IWGP Heavyweight Champion? I see him as a future IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I can see it in his future. Perhaps I could see him eventually out in Osprey of the Empire and taking over. Hmm. I definitely think there's a story between him and Osprey to be told at some point in the future. Because eventually someone's going to precede Osprey in the group. And I think if it's going to be anybody, it might as well be him. You know, maybe keep getting great with him if he goes off on his own. Because I think, you know, he's, he's a solid presence. Even the way he speaks Japanese, I can't understand him. I can tell he's got a presence when anybody speaks. But, you know, it's so it's kind of nice for him to have like an interpreter or like a mouthpiece there for him as well. They can, uh, you, know, you know, round out the act. So, I don't think, again, like you said, it's 31. So it's definitely time for him to... Uh, become the IWGP world champion at some point. Oh, yeah. <coughs> uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our episode. That has been the Christmas special about a man, an all-round great human being, great humanitarian, saving w- women and promoting, you know, crime prevention, all-round great human being, an absolute shagger, a legend, a smart dress sense, and you know, he's also a bit of an area, not afraid to show it. Plus, he could probably absolutely smash you in real life if you tried to fight him. Why wouldn't we try and do a Christmas special about him? All hell. All hell. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is your episode. That is the final bit of East Meets West or anything ESSR related for 2022. And aren't you lucky that this is what you got? <laughs> but if you're not happy with it, fuck it. You don't have to pay anything for it. It's free. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back. Ironically, the next thing you need to start areas will probably be us because on the first Tuesday of 2023, you'll have a Wrestle Kingdom preview with our good self breaking down this massive mammoth card for the show. Your game will probably be in the Rambo. Because there's no actual match for him so far. Boo. Honestly, a, a big match, a single match at rescue in the next couple of years, please and thank you for your can. That'll be the real thing that helps him break out, I think. <laughs> Definitely. All hail the great Okan. All hail the great Okan. Thank you for listening. Remember, follow Suplex Retreat, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. TikTok as well, Facebook community page, join that, get involved in the conversation. Find us on all good Android plugins, sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, like, rating, review, and your platform of choice. Thank you for this, for indulging us in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for seeing us for not putting the plug on it. And, you know, here's to, here's to 2023, a great year for you, for Great Okan, for us. We wish you a Merry Christmas, a very happy new year, and an all hail. All hail. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in the show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.